Hey guys, this is Marshall with Cucumber Talks. Each week, Bryce, David, and I chat about people, ideas, and experiences that have influenced us, and we try out what we learn. In this episode, we talk about some of the personal problems we've each solved in the past. We talk about losing weight, location-independent work, shyness and talking to girls, and acne. Let's get into it. I, I I did a lot of soul searching this week. I'm not sure about you mm. all. It's it's always it's always hard to ask yourself tough questions like what are you good at or what do people come to you for help with and have you solved or what 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 things have you solved and are they meaningful at all? I, I'm not sure about you all, but yeah, this week was I won't say emotional, but it was tough. It was the toughest, toughest week of just having conversations with myself about what I've done up until this point. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. Um, I feel I agree with you 100%. And I feel like it's like, it's very hard to look back and pat myself on the back in a way. Like, oh, yeah, what have you accomplished and I don't know I I feel I'm not very good at like at serving like self-serving I don't know if that makes sense but to just find you know things that make you look good <laughs> probably sounds like I'm getting down on myself but it's just something that I personally haven't grown up doing like like my parents were very good at, you know, saying, you know, great things or, you know, sending positive vibes and all that and letting me know, you know, you're good at this, you're good at this, blah, blah, blah. But it's more difficult for me to, to pinpoint that. It's like one of those things that it's better if somebody else says it, but then like you say it to yourself, like patting yourself on the back. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. <laughs> I think so. I think the challenge for me was trying to, there's things where I've marginally improved. And when you do marginal improvement over the course of even just a year, but let's say multiple years, it's hard to look back and see how much you've improved. And then you can, you can look at big high level concept things, finding meaning in life. And that just seems like such a big topic because I don't know that I've really found it. I've gotten better, but I don't know that I've really solved that problem. On the other end of the spectrum, you have super tactical, super practical that sometimes when you think back on them at the time when I was going through college, I thought I did a pretty good job of getting through college and I ended up taking a bunch of credits. And at the time I thought, this is great. I should tell everybody about this. And now, you know, a decade or whatever later, like I don't know if this is even like I don't care. <laughs> Frankly, like, I don't care how my college experience was as, as much, but it could still be super helpful for somebody who is in that mode right now. My sister's in that mode, or, or really, she's past that mode. But anyway, when she when she was when she was in school, so for me, it was it was trying to come up with something that was meaningful to me that was in the middle of those things. So both sort of high level and helpful on, on that front and maybe 
could stand the test of time type thing. And then on the other side, not just like, yeah, so I learned SEO. You know, I don't know that I, I don't know that I want to talk about how I learned how to put together a blog post or something. It's, you know, it's kind of trying to find the middle ground, I guess. David, do you have a hard time measuring your 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 progress or your achievements? Or is it a lack of confidence in yourself? Or is it striving towards humility where you don't want to acknowledge what you've accomplished? Where does that come from where you where you don't acknowledge what you've done? So it's definitely a combination of those. I think Marshall touched base on on that in one way, just not being able to see the small changes throughout time or like, you know, it's like losing weight. You know, I lost a, a bunch of weight since the beginning of this year. And if I didn't have those pictures from before, there's no way I would have known other than the scale that I had lost a, you know, a decent amount of weight. So it's, it's a combination of that. I wouldn't say I completely lack confidence because I believe I project confidence in public, but I would definitely say I, I do lack a, I mean, I guess I can't think of anything else other than confidence, but it's just being able to see accomplishments that I've done and, and feel like, oh yeah, like that was, that was enough. Like I feel that there's always more to be done. So it's, it's something that I need to, you know, appreciate the, the small steps and appreciate the, the journey, then just push for the outcome and, and not be satisfied with it. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I'm feeling. The weight loss is, is an interesting one. To me, it, that seems like one of the, the things that's easiest to recognize. So if you can't, if you're having trouble recognizing that, especially if it's happened within a year mm -hmm. and it's been significant, mm, that's, that's not something that I can relate to that much. Maybe it's easier for me to recognize or become aware of of the physical manifestations of of my uh, of my work or progress, mm -hmm. are there uh, other examples besides the weight loss? Uh, yeah, I mean there are are facets uh, that come out of that, like just being healthy, and it's kind of like you know knowing your knowing your body, but if we're steering completely away from you know, the health, the weight, the exercise, all that. The, the other thing I, I can think of is a sense of independence over the last, you know, three months, four months since the, since the virus hit. So go, go deeper into that. What does, how do you define independence? Is it the same thing as, I think freedom, freedom gets tossed around a lot, like financial freedom and uh, location <laughs> location independence is that what is that the term that gets tossed around a lot yeah i mean if uh if we want to put it 
a little more specifically, I guess location independence makes more sense because I'm working from home now. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's I'm not I'm nowhere near financially free, but I think through all of this and I'm I may have touched base on this previously, but after being after, you know, the store closed down and everything and just being home like what am I going to do? Um, you know, I'm not I'm not someone who wants to just sit around and and collect and who knows how long this is going to last so i just spent a lot of time studying and figuring out a way to work from home more or less yeah what you've done is really impressive because that was march or april <laughs> when you were sending me messages and you basically were starting from zero. You know, yeah. That's how it felt to me when you were, when you were messaging me and we were kind of going back and forth. I was tossing out some ideas like teaching English online and mm-hmm. um, uh, a few other things. I can't remember, remember now what I suggested, but it seemed like you, you really didn't have any plan or foundation and to go from, from that to, to where you are now, where I assume you're, going back to work, going back to that job would be optional. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy. Cause, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this people that, you know, worked in a restaurant or, uh, certain places where one day you're open and literally that weekend, I think it was Sunday every restaurant that you know had a an indoor eating area was just stopped so and i definitely take i take blame for not having a backup plan but you know at the same time who would have who would have thought that this hap- that this would have happened kind of thing so yeah i didn't have a backup plan i just was already at home when I heard about it. I was like, well, okay. Um, let's, uh, let's figure out something to do. (laughs) What you've done is, is, is just really impressive to me. And I've used you as an example recently, uh, to my sister, my sister Mm -hmm. was faced with the decision to go back to work recently. She's a teacher Mm -hmm. and she's a teacher in, in Georgia and the school's, I guess resumed this last week, this past week. So she had the the decision between going back and being exposed to all of the the stuff that goes on at school, all the the students and she's had health issues in the past and she was experiencing a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear of going back to work to teach and she mm-hmm. made the decision to quit her job. And that was a, a big decision for her because her her husband's still in school. So her making that choice resulted in them losing, I assume the majority of their income. Mm. That's huge. But she, she made that decision and she's basically in the same boat as you were a few months ago, not having a clue what to do. Um, and I, I was texting with her and I actually suggested like, 
have you thought about freelancing on Upwork? My buddy is doing that now and he's doing it full time from home. So it, to me, it's, it's amazing that you've accomplished that in just a few months. And as far as I know, you don't have any technical skills, coding or uh, any of that. So you've kind of made this happen with, I won't say basic skills. I don't want to take anything away from you, but let's say skills that generally anyone with a maybe college degree or maybe not even a college degree, they could, mm -hmm. they could do what you've done if they worked really hard. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I would, I would echo that same thing to her because I mean, similar to her, I was also asked back and, and I, I turned it down when I wasn't fully footed into a job, just knowing that that fear and uncertainty really pushes you to do things that you may otherwise not be able to do. And yeah, like you said, it, I don't, I don't have any coding experience. I mean, I, I probably spent, I don't know, I actually probably spent like 40 or so hours studying coding when I was in the beginning of my search and uncertainty, but I don't have anything, uh, I don't have anything grand in terms of that to to be able to to make a, a job out of that yet. But so how did you I, I kind of know some of the story, but so you were it was a restaurant, right, that you were working at before? Yeah. It was a one of the I think two managers there. And I mean it's a it's just it's a it's not a bad job. The pay was, I would say, maybe even lower than a teacher's pay. Mm -hmm. And there were definitely not the benefits that a teacher would have. So props to your sister for doing that because hmm. it's not, you know, it's not an easy choice. But, but yeah, I, I was just working at a restaurant and everything went sideways about mid-march <laughs> so how what was your what was your initial thought process on that so when you know you're laid off w did you immediately start to look for work and everything or were you more let's see how it goes for the next couple weeks and see how long this goes and then when you did i'm assuming you did start looking for work at some point yeah like how did you start that process you know what i mean so the first thing i did immediately as recommended by the owner uh i filed for unemployment and that next week i started studying uh, i started looking for classes online for coding i took up bryce's recommendation of teaching online i looked into that i even bought like school supplies, little, you know, materials that you would need for doing something like that. My mind was kind of going in a bunch of different places, but I was essentially spending the same amount of time, if not a little more, 
then my regular work hours on just applying, you know, applying to places that I could online because there's a lot of physical work that is not available due to the pandemic. But yeah, I just, I basically just spent the same amount of time that I would be working studying, mostly studying and trying not to freak out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's, what's interesting to me about that versus the other example that you talked about, about losing weight, which sounds like that started at least for this last, I don't know, call it around <laughs> this year is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe there was an event or something that happened, but with losing weight, it sounds like it was more just something that you wanted to do. In other words, like with, with losing your job, there was a clear initiative of, hey, you had a job, you had an income, and you were stable in a certain environment, and then that all went away. So there was a clear, there's a problem, I need to find a solution sort of mentality going into that. Whereas losing weight and going back to what you were saying before about making it being difficult to maybe think of these types of things with losing weight, unless there's a certain event, you know, you had, and maybe you did, I don't know, but if there's an event or something with a health scare or something like that, otherwise it it can creep up on you where you slowly start to be less healthy. And then some, something has to happen or you have to wake up and realize, okay, it's a new year. I'm going to change my life. (laughs) And you're on your own to do that. There's not an external pressure necessarily other than just, maybe how you think people see you or something, but there's no event pushing you in that direction. And I think both versions of sort of personal growth are interesting because one has a clear incentive behind it. The other one is more internally focused. And sometimes those are the harder ones to accomplish because they, they don't have a clear, you know, I'm hanging off a building. I need to find a way to get to safety. That's a clear mm-hmm. problem solution thing. Whereas something like losing weight isn't, isn't always like that from the outside. Somebody can look at somebody and be like, they are clearly living an unhealthy lifestyle. But as the person, it's hard to say like where (laughs) unhealthy becomes too unhealthy and I have to make a dramatic change. Absolutely. I mean, if you saw me before I started losing weight, I'm, I don't think anybody would have been like, wow, you're overweight. Right. You know, it's all, it's all very close to my body, but, and, and yeah, losing weight was, uh, it was like a, a kind of a new year's choice, you know, a new year's resolution, um, versus the job, which I had no choice in losing or not. Right. So two very, very different, very different things. And yeah, I, I prefer it being out of choice but yeah i think the the scary things that just happen are also very beneficial cuz it it tests you in a different way for sure so you said location independence has been the outcome or the it seems mm-hmm. like the problem that you had before was being tied to the job working at the restaurant and now you're experiencing the the feeling of being location independent. Well, is that, well, I just wanted to, I'm, I'm, cu- yeah. I'm curious about that. Do you feel you're at a place right now where you could just pick up and go anywhere and maybe not anywhere, but you could pick up and 
go somewhere else and transition easily because that's a that's a cool place to be it's a place i want to be i i don't feel i'm 100% there so if you're 100% there right now i'd like to know what that feels like and do you still want to be where you are for any reason yeah so i don't know that i would say i'm 100% there in the same way that you say you're not 100% there i feel like we could both honestly pick up and move somewhere and we'd be able to survive without getting another job without getting another job so if you just wanted to pack your bags and move to thailand right now and not get a job when you land you'd be good yeah it only requires a laptop and a internet connection yeah that's a cool place to be at i think a lot of people want to be <laughs> be in your shoes that's a that's a pretty cool <laughs> accomplishment sure and especially right now even more so right now yeah. But yeah it's just amazing that you've done that in a few months yeah i mean it's like similar to you know 10 years ago when when we all first went overseas i think too it's like I, i'm sure your parents and family just as mine were were very surprised like oh you can just go over there and and work and it's like yeah yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> right. But, but where you're at right now is, in my opinion, a, a much better place to be at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Because what we did required us to still be location dependent. We were dependent on our job. We were just teaching it in a foreign country, but we were still dependent on that source of income. So creating mm-hmm. a source of income where you can live anywhere you want that's that's kind of the dream to me so yeah hop on upwork (laughs) (laughs) not a sponsor but (laughs) thank you by the way yeah yeah it's a nice feeling to have go ahead do you feel like you could teach someone how to do what you've done yeah it's crazy because if you jumped on a zoom call with my sister you could walk her through the steps and kind of guide her to the point where she could be replacing her her teacher income more or less Mm. or at least put her in the right direction to do that yeah i mean it it takes time because i don't know if i'm there yet and that's the thing about working from your computer as a quote-unquote freelancer um i mean you take a a massive gut punch with the taxes that they will you know take out so the way to combat that is i mean if you hop on you can see people you know professionals that have done it for 10 plus years 20 years will ask for an exorbitant amount of money per hour 100 200 (laughs) like and i think that's a way to combat the the taxes that are going to be pulled which essentially could be, you know, 30% plus. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, it's not difficult at all. It just takes time to, you know, you just set it up, uh, present yourself well, fill out your profile, and do a lot of searching. It's just like applying for a physical job, but it's online. You just have to keep 
you have to throw it out there all sorts of uh, directions and hopefully you you get something that you're happy with and you take it so what types of projects do you end up working on or what you know to be a little more specific on it i i don't know what you're what you end up doing on a like a day-to-day basis in terms of providing something you know a tangible result for for a company what what sorts of projects Mm -hmm. do you get into yeah i mean right now i'm doing very basic stuff it's it's just like basic customer service okay for a like a a kitchen like cookware company so we work on a lot of different programs shopify slack um so i have a bunch of windows open but we you know basically deal with the the customer service end of that and is it is it chat or are you on the phone or how do you, how are you interfacing with the customers uh yeah it's mostly through social media email it's all chat we don't use the the phone at all which is interesting cuz i think i want to say my first or second like quote unquote gig was pretty much doing cold calling hmm. and i did that for like 13 hours and thank god they for some reason they were like not happy with me and i kind of they kind of like ghosted me hmm. so my contract is still on pause but <laughs> i'm so happy that they were like not receptive towards me yeah because that pushed me to get this other uh to you know to find more jobs and i found this one which requires zero speaking on the phone Hmm. and at pretty much the same pay rate Mm -hmm. so i'd say that's a win especially for people who don't want to talk all day you know you can right listen to music or whatever and just and do your thing without having to to physically like be talking on the phone to customers. So <laughs> thank goodness for that. And it it seems like there's endless opportunity to grow, right? Because as mm-hmm. a freelancer, you can <clears throat> develop new skills, higher paying skills, and get to the point where you can start demanding $100 an hour or $200 an hour if you develop the the right skills. Yeah, easy. I mean, if I went back into coding and completely, you know, smashed that out of the park, there are endless amounts of jobs uh, for coding. People do CPA on there, lawyer. I mean, anything that you can think of that can be done on a computer can be done there and it's it's not all hourly either they have there are fixed pay uh, jobs that you can do and definitely for your sister i would i would uh, be sad if she didn't at least check it out so it's really cool it's really cool to me because it seems like when you google how to make money online a lot of it is start your own business, start your own business. But not everybody wants to start their own business. And generally starting your own business, you're going to have to wait quite a bit of time before you see results. 
It's going to require in a lot of cases money up front. And a lot of people like my sister, I can't see her starting her own business online, at least not right now, but I could see her doing what you're doing. And that just seems like a really cool opportunity, especially for uh, during this time with COVID and all that. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this, how people who are marketers try to be salesmen and people who are salesmen try to be marketers. And what he's saying is somebody who's trying to market social media or let's say, and they post a little status or something that's like, Hey, I've got this course that's out. Come buy it. 1999. And that's sales. And he's like, if you're a marketer, you got to play the long game. Don't, don't try to close that. Just be out there and provide value. Just be like, here's what I learned today. But on the other side, he's like, don't, don't, don't think that I'm not practical. If you want to start a job or, or I'm sorry, if you, if you need the income now, you need to be a salesperson. Don't be a marketer. You need to provide value right now and say, this is what it costs or this is what it's going to cost to you and make that exchange. You know, he talks about going to a yard sale, buy something, go sell it online. Like that's practical. He's not, you know, and I think that's the difference that uh, I'm with you, Bryce. I, th- I think I see a lot of online, make money online. And it's almost without exception. It's this process that start a blog. <laughs> like, yeah, you can make money starting a blog, but it's going to be five years or 10 years yeah. or what, you know, um, there's, there's exceptions, of course, but there's a lot of survivorship bias in that where there are, like you're saying, David, there's a lot of opportunities to just be straight up exchange. You know, I need the money now. What can I do for you right now? You know, and it doesn't even have to be online. I think there's a lot of situations where obviously in this environment, there is that online piece where it's, it's super helpful, but even just trying to just changing the mindset, I guess is what I'm pointing out is if you're trying to make money and you need it now, go after the things that will make money now, not the things that (laughs) you're building value for the future. Those are good, but sometimes you just need to say, Hey, can I mow your lawn for 20 bucks? Yeah. 20 bucks. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Sign up on Uber eats. Start start hustling. Literally make money the same day or get it in your bank account within three days or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of respect for, for everyone out there hustling, doing that stuff. What were you, what were you thinking about talking about Mr. Lewis, Bryce? (laughs) Who's Mr. Lewis? Yeah, I I was thinking about things that at first I was thinking about things that I've the the personal problems that I've let's say overcome and a lot of those have been the first one that stuck out was shyness. Mm. Because in elementary school I was in that homeschool bubble, the homeschool church bubble and I was very outgoing and I think I've described it in the past like I was the cool kid. I think that's when I knew you originally. (laughs) That that might have been pre like homeschool peak days though. It was probably right before peak. Yeah. Yeah. When we moved to Maryland, we got into this really tight knit community of homeschoolers and church friends. Those were, those were my peak homeschool days. (laughs) But uh, nice. I remember being really happy during those days for the most part. I still was, kind of erratic sometimes and I, I know I gave my mom a really hard time because <laughs> that's probably why I ended up getting pushed out uh, into school I remember when I got put into public school seventh grade it was very overwhelming for me the mm. school was really big 
and I'd never really been in that environment before. Some type of defense mechanism took over and I basically shut down, got my guard up. During that time, I, I don't remember having many friends. I don't, I, I remember most days I would just not talk to anyone. I had a, a couple friends from the neighborhood who I was in class with, so I would eat lunch with them and stuff. But during class, I was so scared to, to answer questions or say anything. I'm not sure why. I know I, I tested into the gifted program and I remember the, most of the classes being really hard. I'm, I feel like I tested it, got lucky on the test or something and just <laughs> ended up uh, being at classes that were way too advanced for me. Anyway, I, I lost a lot of confidence during that time hmm. and I became super shy and it took me a while to get out of that. So that's the first thing that pops to mind of a personal problem I solved because I know that was a big problem, being too shy to speak <laughs> to, any, to anyone outside of that, that comfort bubble. And then the next thing that went hand in hand with that was talking to girls. Mm -hmm. And that's something I guess I had to teach myself you know, somewhere around 10th grade or 11th grade, when a lot of people started dating, and I wasn't dating. It's like, okay, I've got to figure this out. And there's nobody who really, there's nobody who came into my life. And it's like, okay, this is how it works. I had friends who I observed, but there was nobody who, there's definitely nobody who held my hand through the process. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's how it works for some guys. I, I know some of the most confident guys I know, they usually had older males in their life who they could closely model like an older brother or something. I'm not, I'm, I'm really not sure how it works for most guys, but that's how I got into self-development. I think that was the first stuff that I started Googling. It's like hmm. how to talk to girls or how to get a girlfriend. Hmm. And of course I bumped into the whole pickup scene in the early 2000s. And a lot of that stuff is super toxic, especially looking back at it now. But I know some of the stuff that I encountered did help me change my mindset and helped me get away from the, the nice guy stuff that I was doing. I can say it worked because I was, I was able to start getting girlfriends and start dating consistently from, from the probably 10th or 11th grade. Hmm. Yeah, those, are, those were the two that, that stuck out at least from uh, childhood. Was there something with either of them that was a specific point that you remember getting to where you were like, okay, this is a problem. I need to change it. And then you, you did change it. Or sometimes it's like, there's a point where you realize it's a problem. And then it still takes a while before you actually take any kind of actual action to change it. I'm just curious because I think there's a lot of times where we have problems that are for me personally, I think that they're kind of low-grade problems, and really they're, they might not be. But I tell myself that they're low-grade problems because I don't want to deal with them. Hmm. And it, it lingers for a long time. Like, you know, weight loss could be, could be one or um, what, whatever it is. Yeah, shyness is a great example because sometimes you don't notice that you're shy or, or you notice that you're shy, but you're like, that's just who I am, blah, blah, blah. You make excuses. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the I don't know that. Shyness was... was for me, both of them are 
obviously problems. You know, I knew there was something wrong to go from being happy and carefree to like coming home from school and just hiding in my room and crying. <laughs> so I, I knew something bad was happening even at an early age. And I knew yeah, I wanted- interesting that you had seen the other side and mm. then you went back. That's, I wonder how many people are like that. That's interesting to me. What do you mean? Well, to me, my stereotype of shyness, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself in that category specifically as far as shyness, but certainly with public speaking or speaking in front of a group of people. But typically the way I would think of it is that you're sort of always reserved. And then at some point you reach up, you reach this point where you're, you think, well, it would be helpful if I was not like this. As opposed to what you're saying, where as a as a younger kid, as a you know first grade or whatever it is, you were outgoing and you remember that, mm. and then something changed where you sort of regressed back to, or maybe not regressed, but actually just went in a different direction. Yeah, it was lost my confidence confidence overnight, kind of thing, and then had to build it back up, hmm. just from school, just from going to school and being a different environment. Well, we moved. We sure, moved from yeah. Maryland to Florida and it gave me a fresh start. So mm. kind of like when we talk about moving to moving overseas and being able to recreate yourself, I benefited from, from that. And luckily, oh, I, interesting. yeah, it's been a trend in my life for sure. Luckily I, in Florida, I started at another public school, but it was smaller and I was able to make friends playing basketball. I still was really shy, but it wasn't, so lonely i remember that Hmm. and then after ninth grade i transferred to a private school and the private school was very small and in that environment i thrived i could easily make friends and became you know one of one of the more popular kids i i i I don't i'm not sure if i was one of the more popular kids but i was (laughs) uh yeah you know what i mean yeah i was gonna ask what your like takeaways were from the shyness and the dating or trying to make a girlfriend situations. I feel like you explained it a little bit, but I think people would be curious to, to hear your insight on the matter, if there's anything else to, to say about it. It's a tough question. I'm not sure what takeaways there are other than I realized I had the ability to change, especially with the dating stuff. I realized there were other, there was, there was always an alternative. I didn't have to live in that bad situation or I didn't have to settle. Mm. So I think even though I'll say that I carried a victim mentality into my twenties, maybe not even that strong. I remember I complained a lot up until just a few years ago. I was always complaining, but especially when I got into the, like how to get girls phase that showed me that I did have power to to change my situation Mm -hmm. so I think that was that was a good takeaway Mm. and then the things the things that stick out to me in my 20s all the way up until now I think I I've had a compulsive behavior for a long time maybe still do I'm sure I still do you know it's all of the vices I got into from from high school all the way up until now, I guess. You know, drugs, drinking, partying, porn, smoking. I've done it all. 
and I've done it all pretty, I've taken a lot of it to the extreme. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I wasn't ever sleeping under a bridge, sticking needles in my arm or anything like that. But I feel like I got pretty far out there. You know, David, David probably witnessed me at my lowest hmm. mm. when I was just when a was complete that? wreck in Thailand. <laughs> and, you know, he could tell you stories that I probably don't even remember. And, you know, it's just like crazy, dumb stuff. So I feel like I have become more aware of the compulsive behaviors and how to go about changing them if I want to change them and recognize when they're becoming detrimental. And I, I believe I have the confidence now to change those patterns of behavior when I want to change them. Those are the, I guess, personality things. Then there's the like, accomplishments I think that I've, I've done as far as business and teaching and stuff like that. So after going through all of that, I guess I'm kind of curious, had you not gone through all of those trials and tribulation, would you still be the same person that you are today? I think the, the obvious answer is no. Like you need those things to get you to where you are. And I'm grateful for those experiences. I don't regret them. Mm -hmm. But like I was kind of telling you guys earlier, I took, the converse, I took this topic and changed it a little bit in my head because some of these things that I've done, like learning how to quit porn or learning how not to abuse alcohol or learning how to talk to women, these things are not things that I feel like I can teach people or I don't find myself, um, I don't find other people gravitating towards me to learn these things. Mm. And I think that's an indicator that, mm, I'm not sure what it's, it's an indicator of, maybe that I'm not proficient at those things, proficient enough mm. to teach them. Anyway, I started going, I started exploring a different way to look at this because I think what I wanted to get out of this conversation was for us to discover something that we're proficient enough to teach other people, proficient in mm. to teach other people. So I started asking myself what things people, what things about me, what skills do I have or what problems can I solve that people actually come to me for help with? And none of those things that I just talked about are things that people come to me for help with. The things that people have come to me for help with are obviously people who wanted to learn English and I helped them as a teacher, tutor, and also people who wanted to teach English abroad mm -hmm. came to me for suggestions on how to do that. And then most recently selling on Amazon or selling, on, selling things online or making money online. Quite a few people, not quite a few, but enough people have come to me asking about that to make me think that that must mean something. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> and then I, I kind of broke it down a little farther, further, farther, the things that I enjoy helping people with. Hmm. I don't enjoy helping people learn English. I know that, <laughs> <laughs> but I do enjoy helping people who are curious about 
teaching online or teaching abroad, I do enjoy that, telling them about my experience and kind of giving them advice. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy helping people who are going to travel or travel abroad. I mm-hmm. like talking about that stuff. I enjoy talking to people about minimalism and living a frugal lifestyle because I also, I also was thinking about like what things have come naturally to me where I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to overcome anything. They just come natural to me Hmm. and being frugal is something I've never had to teach myself. It's like it runs in my blood. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've never had trouble budgeting or spending too much money. I never in college, I never, you know, I was given this amount of money for my student loans deposited before the semester in my head. I just knew how to balance that money so that it would carry me through those months. You know, I never had to call mom and dad for, for money. So helping people who have money issues that it's not something I've been attracting into my life. I don't, not a lot of people come to me asking for help with that stuff but I really enjoy talking about it. Mm. I, I could nerd out about credit cards for hours <laughs> and <laughs> using, using credit card points to travel for free and stuff like that. I, I love talking about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's one more thing that I know I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but I realized couch surfing is my type of person. That is my, the couch surfing community. I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with it, yeah yeah i haven't used it recently but for a while i was pretty into it (laughs) i I realized anyone who couch surfs is my type of person Mm. i loved every (laughs) there were some there were some super weird ones but even the super weird ones it's like i dig it i love it yeah i love anyone who can do this so when we when we talked a little about what type of person do you want to be around or what person do you enjoy being around? <laughs> Language exchange and couch surfing came to mind. I'm, hmm. I'm, I'm interested in talking about any of those topics that I just talked about, like the how to make money online, how to travel, how to teach abroad. But the sweet spot was language exchange and couch surfing. I, hmm. I loved meeting up with people and doing language exchange, and I loved couch surfing. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure how to unpack all the stuff that I just threw at you guys, but that's, that's, those are the things I was thinking about this week. Yeah. When you were talking about what people come to you to ask for help about that one's interesting because it it seems like you would have people there's, there's two barriers to having somebody come and ask you for help on a, a question or a topic. One, do you seem like the type of person they can help me with this with this problem and then two well you've also have the thing of do i have the problem and need help with it but setting that aside you have do you seem like the type of person who can help me with this problem but then you also have do i feel comfortable coming to you to ask for help with this problem and i guess it in my mind i fr- i'm framing it that way because some of the things that you talked about for instance starting an amazon business you actually have been running an Amazon business and it's like a hard fact that you've done that. Whether you're, you know, we don't have to know your financials. We don't have to know, but you're, you're like living that. And 
personally, I feel comfortable asking you about that because I, I have asked you about that. <laughs> you know, I feel comfortable being like, hey, what do you know about this? Or how did you get into this? Or how does this work? Or getting really technical too. Like, how do you set up this sort of account or, you know, whatever. Something like shyness. Number one, do I feel like you've put off a signal that says, hey, I know a lot about going from being not shy to being shy, or I'm sorry, from being shy to not shy. Number one, I didn't, I didn't know that. So right off the bat, I'm not going to ask you about that, mm-hmm. you know? But then e- secondly, now you've got to get over the other hurdle of maybe I'm too shy to even ask you about that. You know, the, mm-hmm. the you know, addictions, if you have an alcohol addiction or a porn addiction or a drug addiction, not only do I have to know that you're available to, to tell me and help me with that, but I also have to feel comfortable enough to come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not sure how helpful that is to, to express, but it's what it's going through my mind of in order for something like that to work, where you're helping somebody, you have to put it out there. And that's something that I feel like I don't do a good job of where maybe the thing that I want to help people with, first of all, I don't know that I have a great idea of what that is, but let's say I came up with the idea that I, I really want to help people with, you know, I really want to get into the couch surfing community. Like you said, uh, do, do, am I telling people about that? Am I telling every single person that I know, Hey, if you know anybody that's into couch surfing, let me know. And then is the topic something that they would feel comfortable asking me about? Or do I need to set up a, a, a thing that says, Hey, ask me anonymously or ask me and we can go out and talk one-on-one in a conversation. It doesn't have to be in a group because some conversations feel awkward. Like even if you're just with two other people, it would feel weird to come up and ask somebody, you know, Hey, I've got this drug addiction. Let me, can you help me with this? That's a, it's a big thing. Yeah, I got it. I get it. Um, that's the other thing that I realized there's this, a lot of my interest and a lot of my sweet spots, they're not aligned with how I'm currently living. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm noticing. That, not mm-hmm. with you so much, just for me personally. It's like, yeah. You know, Louisville, Kentucky isn't really the hot spot of couch surfing. <laughs> <laughs> Or language exchange. (laughs) Or language. But actually, I realized before the COVID stuff started, I was doing the language, not language exchange, but I was taking the Mandarin class or I was going to the Mm. Mandarin meetup. And I was really enjoying that. And it didn't click with me that how much I really enjoy that environment. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, uh, you know, I've, I've been out of ESL for maybe four or five years now. So for me to give someone advice on how to become an ESL teacher. Sure, I can point to my experiences, right. but I, I'm, I haven't been keeping up with it. I've probably lost a lot of my, my edge when it comes to being a teacher, mm-hmm. the skills that I had. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you don't keep up with it and you're not in that community anymore, then it's hard to give people advice. Right. David, do you, for the two things that you mentioned as far as uh, you know, getting healthy, losing weight, and then also kind of location independent, freelancing, online work, things like that. How do you feel about those as far as, you know what I mean? You can be good at something, but you don't necessarily want to talk about it or, or not talk about it, but you're just not interested in it. I was like, yeah, I'm good at it, but I don't know that I want to teach anybody or help anybody or be in a community of, of this. How do you feel? Like, how, how do those sit with you as far as like a um, community of people? Mm-hmm. around either of those yeah i think i would i would enjoy talking about 
weight loss or healthy eating more than finding a job online as of right now. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I wouldn't enjoy that, but that's just where my mind's at right now. And, you know, after listening to Bryce talk about that, something that, you know, something you enjoy, you actually enjoy talking about versus something that you're able to talk about and explain and and teach thoroughly, yet don't enjoy it. I was thinking about that a lot this week. And I mean, being able to talk or teach something is wonderful. I think it's great. But if there's no passion behind it, you know, either get passion for it or, (laughs) or, you know, work harder on what you're passionate about because that's that's going to be the the successful thing for you and for others it's the ultimate goal right (laughs) so it sounds like you can't imagine yourself teaching other people to make a lot of money on upwork i mean or how to become a freelancer it's just it's not something that i could i mean i may be able to like stretch it into a a 10 lesson course but there's really just like two or three steps i mean honestly it's it's similar to losing weight (laughs) calories in calories out like you know everybody has their own opinions about that as well you know low carb all the different diets i think we underestimate how hard it is for some people to get started yeah so like five lessons would be like getting in the mindset Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> and then three lessons for, you know, interviewing. Editing. Yeah. Interviewing. And then one lesson is just like managing your money. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see like, even the way that you framed it when we started this conversation, you wanted to talk about, or it seemed to me anyway, that you wanted to talk about the health side. Right. And then what's interesting though, is for Bryce and I, I think we were curious about the the making money side but so so even that by itself is kind of an interesting like oh okay that's a but that's a good point but but when you started it you you wanted to talk about the health side and just that by itself i mean that was one of the things i was thinking of is like i don't want to talk about my, my blog i wrote about we talked about this about you know i had this pretty popular post way back in the day about how to get this special document that you need to get into teaching in Korea. And I got a bunch of links to it. And as a result, I got a bunch of emails and all this stuff. And this is like going back, you know, a decade or whatever, but I still get emails about that every once in a while. And I'm so far out of it that I'm so far out of that English teaching world. And especially the, how to get the documents to get into Korea world. It's such a technical (laughs) thing. I'm I'm just not even interested. And I try to let people know, be be frank about that and say, hey, I had a great experience. This is kind of, you can hear some posts, like whatever. Um, I don't know if this technical knowledge still is accurate anymore. So you might want to check out this site instead. But my interest just isn't there for that. And <laughs> so if your interest isn't there to talk about freelancing, or your interest isn't there, Bryce, you were, there were a couple of things you had mentioned that you're just like, well, I just don't get fired up to talk about them. That's a good point. But, that's you know, that's step interesting. Number one. That you noticed that, that David, <laughs> you brought up the health stuff first and 
you're like, no, tell us about Upwork. <laughs> well, and it goes back to the thing that I said earlier too about being specific. You know, if Upwork is very specific, so it's easier to it's easier for humans, I think, to latch on to that in some sense. And maybe it's a need, you know, maybe, maybe we're both like, we want more money more than we want to lose weight right now. I don't know, but mm -hmm. you know, it, but, yeah, but you it, guys are fit. So I can totally understand that. <laughs> it's a specific thing, you know, mm -hmm. whereas health or losing weight is, seems more general and I don't know anyway. Yeah. So how about you, Marshall? Well, <laughs> personal problems <laughs> or things that you enjoy talking about, whatever the the conversation's topic is. <laughs> yeah, I don't point. know what our, I, I definitely didn't think of it in terms of, and, and even though I think you did say this about, you know, what is something that you could teach someone else? And I definitely didn't think in those terms. Oh, I guess initially I did. I thought of some things like writing, you know, sort of like the confidence that we talked about last week about speaking in public, sort of those things. But it was funny because I actually love talking about writing. But for whatever reason, that didn't seem like the thing that I wanted to talk about. It didn't feel vulnerable enough somehow. Hmm. So the thing that I thought of, and my wife and I were talking last night, she was like, so what are you going to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. I, like, I'm still, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, one of, but one of the things, and this is, goes to the, I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to teach people about this. But I think there's some overarching lessons that I learned from this experience that is maybe helpful. And it's about acne, actually, because, and David, you may have known me through part of this in Korea too, mm. but when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I had like bad acne as a teenager, like maybe a bunch of people do and whatever. And then I sort of, I don't know, grew out of that or whatever. Um, there were some things I guess I learned that sort of helped me manage that. But when I, when I was in Korea, it got like really bad. Like I had, uh, and I'd had this as a kid too, like where I had these like big, like, I guess they're called like cystic acne. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, it's really bad though. It's like these big zits that get infected and blah, blah, blah. And talking about like a problem that you don't. So there were like multiple stages in this where, and, and this was asking earlier about some of the things that you guys were getting into, like what point do you notice that it's a problem? Cause you're just kind of the frog that's boiling in the water and that's not a real analogy. Cause I don't think it scientifically that actually works, but you know, the frog is in the water and you slowly turn up the heat and then they just boil instead of realizing that there's a problem. And it's like, you can have a problem that is a low grade problem and you just kind of ignore it. And what well, two things you ignore it. But then for me, so I'm like in my twenties at this point, and I have this acne problem. So now it's not just I'm a teenager. It's not just a hormone. I mean, maybe it is a hormone problem, but it's not just a I've, you know, in this stage of my life problem. And but what's weird is unlike, well, and maybe people would disagree with me on this, but unlike losing weight where you just know I should eat healthier, but mm -hmm. you don't because there's all these habits built up. Acne was one of these weird things for me where I didn't know that there was a way to fix the problem. I thought it was just mm -hmm. a me thing. Like, it's just what you have. Mm -hmm. And there's all these sorts of problems that go with it, like a self-image, self-worth, like times you didn't want to get out. And meanwhile, I'm teaching in freaking Korea where they're like the, the, you know, the, the king and queens of, of 
perfect skin and and hygiene and all this right and so so it was I guess the reason that I wanted to talk about it wasn't because I want to help people with acne I want to be like the opposite of that I don't like but one I've never talked about it in public really talked about it with some friends and things but I've never talked about it on my blog I've never I don't know that you guys know about this whatever um but the the shame and the like talk about confidence and or or lack of confidence and just like wanting to curl up and die and like not go out and see the world, you know, was huge. I remember there were points when, you know, I would, <clears throat> I would, excuse me, I would, I would Skype with uh, friends or family back home. And there were points where I went like a month where I was like, I'm not talking to anybody back home because I just didn't want to mm-hmm. get on Skype. And I don't know if I made up some excuse about being, I don't know what I said. I can't remember if I like lied or if I just, yeah, I'm busy. What I don't know what happened, but because I was definitely in a road where I was, you know, talking to people pretty frequently, you know, weekly or every couple of weeks, let's say, uh, back home. But that was a huge turning point for me because I had already been into sort of personal development, but for whatever reason, it like snuck up on me and didn't realize that I could sort of fix it myself, if that makes sense. So I just sort of spiraled into this depression of yeah, not wanting to be around anybody, not wanting to talk about it. That's the other thing is like, it was one of these things that's super obvious, but I didn't want to talk about it with anybody. I didn't want anybody to tell me to bring it up. Students would ask me and I would like just struggle to try to make a joke or something about it and deflect and a really difficult time in my life. And then it got to the point where I was like, okay, I have to do something about this. And I guess I went back to my roots of, okay, well, how do I, what do I do? So then I'm like Googling around, you know, like <laughs> I've mentioned, you know, how do I get up earlier? That's what I do. I go Google around. So I started Googling around and, and um, sort of that progression. I had done some things before in the past with diet that seemed like they had helped. So mm-hmm. I started with that and uh, I found this guy who was talking about different diets and blah, blah, blah. And that was crazy because it probably made it worse in a way. Like there was one point where I was eating nothing but like rice and apples and lemon juice because I thought I was allergic to something or I, I, I was trying to figure out what was causing everything, you know? So I was just trying to like limit my variables. Like don't go outside. Don't, you know, like don't do the same thing every day and see if it gets better. See if something, whatever. Um, and then I got into like medication and things like that. And what was interesting about all of that was that it didn't start really getting better until I got more, let's say, clinical about it. Like I had got some medicine and so forth. But what could have managed it was the diet. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't, I could, like, that wasn't a, a quick enough fix for me at the time. Or it didn't show big enough improvements by the time it got bad enough, if that makes sense. Um, so that was one of those things like afterward, it's kind of a lesson that I've sort of taken from that in a sense, like I'm sort of anti-medicine in general. I think that we have a great ability to help people who have an arm chopped off. Like we're going to keep people alive. We're really good at that. But at least in the United States, our medicine isn't great at like holistically keeping people healthy in the long term. We're more focused on here's a drug to, you know, make the pain go away. And I just don't really believe in that. But the problem is that when you have an actual problem, I don't, you know, I, I, my, my first thought is, well, what's the quinoa that I can eat that's going to make me feel better about it? Um, so the lesson that I'm, I guess I'm getting at with that is that it helped me realize that 
some of the like holistic medicines or not even medicines, just diet in general, exercise, whatever, those sorts of things are great for keeping you healthy. But when you're, when you've already gone over the edge of not being healthy anymore, don't like, don't be afraid to look for something more. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, because I think that, or, or the, the opposite too, is don't be, don't think that the diet isn't working when you have such a bad problem. You know what I mean? Like you could, you could go back to losing weight, right? Like if you're severely overweight and severely unhealthy, you know, trying to exercise might not be the best plan for you, right? Like with with health, I tend to think that diet is still going to be your, your best option, but like trying to go, like, I guess the analogy would be more like trying to go bench press at that point might not be the best plan for you. Like you probably just need to stop drinking the Coke every day, you know, or stop, you know, whatever. And so there were, there, I guess there were a couple of things that I learned from that whole sort of experience. One was just the, the ability, and you said it Bryce really well earlier, the ability to know that you can change something like that. You can do something that causes a difference. Like for me, I didn't know that, Oh, I could, it turned out. So cutting to the end of the story, like it turned out, like I don't do well. And you had mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, David milk and dairy, like dairy makes my face break out. Yeah. Like it just, it just <laughs> does. Um, I don't know if that's a thing for everybody, but it seems like it, there's multiple people that it does that too. It, it's, it's bad for me. Um, at this point in my life, I can eat some cheese here and there. I'll eat pizza or whatever. If I, you know, splurge or whatever, but um, in general, I stay away from dairy. I don't eat like a bowl of cereal. It's like not a good idea for me. Um, and then the other thing was it turned out rice, which is my favorite yeah, I food. Really. <laughs> I, I love rice, but, and it's not just rice, but it, it causes the biggest result with rice. But I think what it is, is it gets my sugar levels up super high and then it messes up everything else with, with my, with my, with my body, the way my body processes it, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So but but even like you taking those variables out in the beginning when it was really bad, they didn't help because it was already, it's like acne doesn't just go away in two minutes. It's not like you can just be like, well, I'm just going to eat right for, you know, a week and suddenly this acne is going to go away. It, like it was to the point that it was bad enough to where if I had like, I don't know if stopped eating isn't the right word, but you know, if I had done everything right, it still was going to be there for a month or two just because it was like already, you know, you already have these sores on your face. Um, yeah back or whatever so it's a long-term investment (laughs) yeah exactly and you don't see the results i mean in that way it is like health or or losing weight or or for me it's more gaining weight trying to you know but you you don't see the result from not eating the snickers bar you don't see that result maybe ever but you know cumulatively (laughs) you see it but you don't see that result until later and it's the same thing for trying to clear your face up or trying to clear you know is that you don't the whatever you even the medicines or the whatever, you're not going to see an instant result. There's no clear result for it. So anyway, that's completely different from anything <laughs> that Bryce was talking about as far as, you know, something that I'd want to teach people. Oh, but okay. Let me, let me go back to the other thing that I think that I sort of learned and it's still a struggle, right? But the, the shame that went with all of that and then coming out of it, and then now being able to talk about it applies to so many things that that mm-hmm. shame or confidence or however you want to think about it the the i guess confidence to be able to 
voice something and say, Hey, I have a problem, you know, and I want somebody to not necessarily talk about it with me. Cause I don't know that that's always what I want, you know, but being truthful and transparent enough with myself and others about something that like deeply affected my well-being or sense of worth you know it you wouldn't it shouldn't but it does or or it did and it probably still does in a sense but learning how to overcome that portion of it the psychological side was and is just as important i think mm-hmm. yeah thanks for sharing that those I, I can only imagine how painful that is to experience something like that but something that you can't hide at all right yeah and it comes with different challenges i think than like you know maybe a, a drinking's kind of in the middle maybe some people see it some people don't uh like a porn addiction you like hide it um but that's one of those ones where it's it's like out there where everybody sees it but yet it's secret it's weird mm-hmm. and I, I can only imagine that that's a similar thing to uh you know, body shaming or whatever, where people feel like it's out there in public. Everybody sees that I have this, this, whether it's an eating disorder or just this is how my body is, whatever. But internally, you're like dying inside because you want to be somebody different or you want to accept yourself or whatever it is that you want. You, you want to see yourself in a different way, let's say. And I think everybody has that, whether it's acne or weight or how well they speak in front of girls or whatever it is. Everybody has that to a certain degree. Um, and they all sort of tie together in the sense of the problems that we face all, all stem from the same thing, wanting to be loved, wanting to connect, want to feel worthy and, 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 and meaningful to people. It just manifests itself differently depending upon the, the outward appearance of it, I guess, <laughs> or, or the mechanics of it, how it, how it plays out. I remember having a similar experience in high school, obviously, to a lesser extent. In ninth grade, I developed like this really big wart on my nose. Mm. And it, again, it was one of those things that it's like, what do you do with this? Like, I think we, I tried the, you know, I was in ninth grade, so I wasn't super into holistic stuff. But, you know, my mom has that background. So I think we tried we tried stuff like that and it just wasn't getting any better. It was seemingly getting worse. Like kept getting larger and darker and nastier. Mm -hmm. It's like, it it wouldn't go away. Yeah. Stayed for a month, like a month or two. Yeah. It's one of those things that just shoots down your confidence because you're really vulnerable at, at a younger age, at any age, you've got this deformity. You're, yeah, he, he, I remember wearing a Band-Aid on my nose to try to hide yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and similar to your experience, it's like I had to get more um, clinical with it. Mm-hmm. And ev- that eventually helped, helped clear it up. Um, when I was listening to your story, I was wondering if you had been able to maintain your confidence and acknowledge the elephant in the room with everybody around you like, oh yeah, I have bad acne. Kind of like somebody who's really body positive, who's heavier. You know, they can joke about themselves and make everybody more comfortable with 
how they are, mm-hmm. how they present themselves. You know, you've been around those jolly, heavier people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it's, 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 it's them and they fully acknowledge it. And by acknowledging, it seems to take away the <clears throat> uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if back in ninth grade, I just had this super high level of confidence and they're like, oh yeah, I have a wart on my nose. So what? I'm wondering if that would have helped things. Yeah, I I think I think I tried that, mm-hmm. and I think the cl- I don't think that that's fully honest either. If if you can get to a point where that is honest, maybe that is a good thing. Actually, I, I never I never could get to that point. So the best that I could do is, I think, being open with people and saying, "Hey, this hurts bad." Like not physically, like on my face, I have something hurting, but like. I'm in a dark place because of this. I could never share that with anybody. That's, that was my challenge or that was my problem was that not only do you have this physical thing going on, but then also on top of that, I felt isolated because I didn't feel like I could tell, you know, I, I either wanted to just ignore it and pretend that, you know, they know and I know, but we're just going to continue like it doesn't exist, which is probably my, was my default or the opposite was sort of making light of it as though it wasn't a big deal. And that was also not truthful for, for me personally anyway. You know, if you can get to that point where it is, but I think by saying, oh yeah, you know, I have this, this issue, um, it, it would have been more accurate and more helpful for me in those times to say, or, or you know, get a close friend and be like, hey, I, I, I'm really having a hard time with this <laughs> mm-hmm. and talk through it that way at that angle. I'm wondering if you get to that place of confidence by revealing what you're going through. But at the same time, I'm also wondering, you know, it goes back to what we always talk about. If you get yeah. to that level of acceptance, yeah. then do you prevent yourself from improving? And maybe you never experiment with the dieting or the improvement right. if you get to this confidence level. I was thinking about this as, as well and how, for me, it comes back to the importance of both. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe parsing it out, one is better than the other. Maybe it is better because you can make arguments for both sides. You know, you can make arguments for the person who just says, I don't care about money. I'm just going to live like this. And that seems noble. And it seems like a good idea. Like I tend to, I guess I tend to want to be more like that. I'm probably not like that, but I, I tend to want to be more like that. But then on the other side, you have the person who's super ambitious and is like going out there and Elon Musking it up with Tesla or whatever. And, and you think, well, that is clearly the better option than the person who just sits there and doesn't help, help the rest of the world with anything. To me, it seems like there's, it's both in the sense of I needed to work, at least in that example, I needed to work on the personal getting over being ashamed of it and being able to talk to people about it. That may have been the bigger thing. But at the same time, I also needed to do the outside work or the physical work of experimenting. And, you know, because at the end of the day, it just makes it easier, right? If you, if you, if you have the mindset, like if I have the mindset that makes me less uncomfortable, that's going to make it easier to go out and live life and do my thing. Same way, if I can make my acne better by, eating a little bit differently, it's going to also make my mindset, it's going to make it easier to have a better mindset. So I don't think you, I don't think you can discount 
using the body to help the mind or the mind to help the body. Just go at both of them. Like both of them are going to help. This is exactly what Naval talked about in one of his, his little podcasts. Mm. His podcast I listened, so I listened to a bunch of his stuff this week, actually. That's one funny. minute bite size. Yeah. Golden nuggets. I don't, I'm not sure if you caught the one where he's like, you can, it's, it's easier to make enough money and then not have to worry about money than it is to become a monk and yeah. get to the point yeah. where you don't care about money. Yeah. Both are, are ways to do it. Right. But the monk way is going to take you like several lifetimes. Right. Whereas in this lifetime, you could just make a lot of money. So I was probably getting some Naval in there. <laughs> I definitely like, heard that. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. That yep. makes so much sense because yep. it is easy to get, you're like, oh yeah, I can become a monk and drop out of society. And then uh, mm-hmm. at least I, I gravitate towards those ideas sometimes. Right. Right. Where you're like, I'm, I'm different than everyone. And uh, Approach I, it from I will way. no longer have these human desires. And it's like, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's going to take a really long time. Right. I think just breaking it down and being practical with it and, and realizing what works, you know, do the thing that go all out on the thing that seems like it's getting you there the fastest and fast isn't always the best option, but all other things being equal, you know, if it helps to, I love the, I love the health analogy because I think everybody can relate in some way, but it's like working out and doing the diet. You know, you have people on both sides and my thought is do both of them. Like maybe there is a way where one is better than the other at certain times. And maybe it is better to start with diet than working out. And there's all these things about it, but experiment with both of them, (laughs) you know, experiment with all the options. Like don't rule out any options of, of, yeah, like you said, like sometimes you could struggle all your life just trying to figure out how you're going to live with no money when in reality you could just go down to, well, Right now, maybe not, but you know, normally, let's say you could go down to Target and get a job at Target and just simply wipe out the fact of not having any money. And then maybe it's a matter of living on a whatever income, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that other than just don't rule out anything. It's so funny how the acne is so tangible. You know, you can imagine the blog right now, like, how to overcome your acne and here's the product and acne erasing secrets exactly it's a real it's a real website by the way <laughs> <laughs> but then there's that yeah. other one where it's like how to overcome shame right is that a right. is that something people even look for is that no I've, i think you i've never personally googled how to overcome shame right but that's my problem i wish that i could just solve that and dan monroe talks about that right mm. he talks about how he kind of, I don't know what I'm probably going to misrepresent him, but he kind of lures people in with the, let me help you get girls. But then in reality, it's more about how to be confident in your, in yourself. And that ends up getting people attracted to you, mm-hmm. but you have to start out with sort of a practical, tangible result mm-hmm. or a promise, let's say. And that's and, what I was, yeah, you know, that's what mm-hmm. my hope was for this, this conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted us to be able to pull some tangible thing that we could start focusing on but yeah this is just as interesting yeah i don't think we got there but i think that (laughs) it's helpful to to what am i trying to say to express to express these things on a personal level and then you can kind of abstract out up to the 
an abstract level of shame or confidence or whatever. I think everything we talked about for ourselves can be taught and made into, you know, some steps or ways to, because like, I mean, the acne thing, there are millions of people that can relate to that and to this day still struggle with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, being shy and overcoming not being able to to talk to girls. Basically, I, I think they all, not that that's something that we would want to pursue per se, but I think all of it is very valuable to the right person. So you said you're not interested in talking about acne or hmm. selling a course on how to have clear skin. Are you interested in talking about shame with people and helping people overcome their shame? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because even going through, I think that's one example of multiple things that at the root of the problem is some sort of shame and a similar solution might apply where, okay, yeah, there's the practical application of, you know, finding medicine or, or just experimenting with diet or whatever, but there's the other side of the psychological side of talking with people about things and being open and honest and truthful about what you're actually feeling in a certain situation and getting help. <laughs> you know, I don't think I got help. You know, I, I, I was too shy to, to get help or, you know, I have, a, I just have a very do it yourself sort of bootstrap mentality that is, is deep in me. That's good <laughs> in some ways, but it's bad in other ways. Um, but Did yeah, you apply- learn about, Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, I think it, I think at the root of it, it applies across the board to a bunch of things that I've had problems with and continue to struggle with and continue to learn, you know, I was slightly curious where you got the dairy, like the no dairy situation from. Where I learned that? Yeah. Yeah. I had actually known that a little bit when I was before. That may have been actually what mm-hmm. helped me as a kid. And I I heard it from my mom because I think my mom had had issues with acne when she was younger and maybe even as an adult. And, and she would say that, yeah, like chocolate makes my face break out or whatever. Okay. And so I think, yeah, I think there was like a, a sense that, okay, there's because everybody talks about it, like, you know, eating Pringles is going to cause your face to break out. Right. So there's all these like myths out there or, or maybe they do cause your face to break out. And that's the thing It's like, you don't know, like for some people, maybe French fries, you know, they react in a certain way, maybe whatever. Uh, But that, but that's where it, where it started. I think with my mom, with dairy, but then what was weird is that in Korea, I really wasn't eating any dairy that I can remember. I mean, they don't really, I didn't really eat cheese and I wasn't eating cereal. I, I can't imagine where else I would have been eating a lot of dairy. Um, but it turned out it was probably the rice issue, which is ubiquitous. <laughs> can't avoid rice in Korea. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially me, I love rice. Like I brought, so you guys know, you know, you bring your little sleeping bag or your not sleeping bag. What is that called? Suitcase to Korea. You pack everything in there. Everybody becomes a minimalist. I still identify with that label because of, you know, you pack everything in there. One of the things that I put in the corner of my thing that looked like a bomb was a 
power transformer so that I could plug in things that were in US, uh, whatever the outlet's called. Yeah, converter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry, not transformer. And a rice cooker. Like that's how invested I was in rice before I moved to Korea. And then you move to Korea and of course it's everywhere too. But, you know, I I was planning on eating rice all the time and I did. And that was the problem. (laughs) Turns out. Uh, that's funny yeah i had a a different question about that kind of what i was talking about before about attracting people into your life who seek your guidance or help Mm -hmm. and again this might be because you don't put yourself out as much as you should or could Mm -hmm. but do you notice people in your life being vulnerable to open up about their their shame and kind of getting your, maybe just getting your ear or um, yeah, feeling confident enough to talk to you about that. I would say probably not to my discredit or I don't know what the word is there. And possibly because I don't put myself out there. I'm pretty reserved person or that's not the right word. I'm, and this is a, this is, I would count this as a bad thing, but I'm very calculated or I can be, I try, I've tried kind of not to be as much, but what I mean by that is in a conversation, and that's where I, why I said reserved, I, I don't want to share something that will make me look bad. So I have to purposely share things like this story about acne. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't talked about that anywhere. I don't think I've talked about it on my blog. And I've talked about just about everything on my blog, but um, or or anywhere else that I could think of publicly, let's say. Um, but I have to purposely do that. I'm not in any way naturally like that, and as a result, I think that there are other people who are who are much more naturally wearing their heart on their sleeve, and those people, I think, tend to attract people who are willing to share other things where they are willing to share with you and then you're willing to share back with them. I'm not like that. It's very, I have to be very purposeful for that to happen. And I don't, I don't know that it's a good thing that I'm not. Well, I think it is a good thing to be intentionally doing it, you know, intentionally sharing, intentionally opening up. I don't think it's a good thing to the way my, my natural way is (laughs) to be, to sort of repress those things. I guess There must be something about you. Because, I mean, before we started doing this and this podcast and you and I would meet up at, right. and have coffee, I mean, you were like basically my therapist. So <laughs> there must be something where you just seem trustworthy or like you won't go blabbing about somebody's se- secrets mm. and stuff like that. That, that I would, I would, uh, I don't know, give you is what I was going to say, but I, I would agree with that. Like I am not the person who will, you know, obviously this is a podcast. So everything we're talking about is kind of out there now. So there's no, no confidentiality with the, the conversations here, but in general, I am not the type of person. And maybe it's because I am that sort of reserved or I don't share my own sort of feelings unless it's very intentional that people do feel comfortable. I think in that sense, because I'm not the type of person that you're going to hear something. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you gossip about somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's just not in my nature. And I, I don't, I don't think it's good, but then it's also not in my nature. So it makes it really easy for me to not do that. And so people see that. And I think that does help because 
you know, they'll see that they shared something with me in the past and it hasn't gotten out around the office or with their friend or friend group or whatever. So I think that does help with people being, you know, maybe more open with me. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I almost, I'm, when you asked, I was really curious, like on your side, is there something you can point to? Cause it's, it's kind of like David said earlier about it's, it's almost like you want somebody else to tell you what your strength is because as the person there, it's really, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, we're like inside our own heads and our own, own minds. Like what I think I'm good at, it might just be because I like it and what I think I'm bad at and I try to get better at. I might be really good at it because I'm actually trying really hard and really conscious of trying to get better at it. I don't know that I'm good at evaluating myself on <laughs> strengths and weaknesses. Maybe that's another podcast too. Like, yeah, we can continue, continue. Yeah. But I, I definitely never felt judged when I, when I talked to you and I'm not, maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but it never felt like you gave me advice unless I asked for it. I, I I, I feel like that's how our conversations usually went. Like I would have to directly ask you for advice before you started giving me solutions. Hmm. And maybe that allowed me to just talk through my, the stuff I was going through. Hmm. And usually by talking through something, I can find, I can become aware of things on my own without, hmm. without needing somebody to break it down for me or break down a, plan of action so maybe just being a, a good listener or pretending to be <laughs> <laughs> definitely a good skill it's half the battle just talking about it opening up yeah. to somebody do you guys have any takeaways from this conversation like what we could do with this or do we need to keep exploring it more because you know my obviously my goal for the conversation was for us to discover these key skills that all three of us had and that we could help others with to solve other people's problems. doesn't seem like we've gotten, gotten there, but <laughs> I don't know. What are your, what are your takeaways? If any, I feel like we've got a good, a better understanding of ourselves. I mean, at least over the week of our own reflection of, a, of everything and especially talking to one another and confirming different ideas. I think we have a really good um, base. And like you said, we're not there yet, but it's definitely something I'm interested in exploring. So maybe the better question is, do you want to get to what I was describing? Yes. Do you want this to become a Marshall's an authority on dating and David is an authority on uh, making money online and Bryce is an authority on building up confidence. I'm not saying those are our skills, but do you want Uh it to be like that? And then we kind of do the brojo thing where we talk about themes or subjects that are related within those categories and we're helping others in those areas. Yeah. I think that's what I was subconsciously pushing with this or Uh consciously pushing with (laughs) with this discussion, but maybe it's not even necessary. I don't know. What are your What are your guys' thoughts? And then we can wrap it up. Consciously subconscious. Yeah. What was that? I said consciously subconscious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's quick answer. Yes. <laughs> I'm definitely down for that. 
Same with me. I think it, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say it's a, I mean, it's something to shoot for. It's achievable. And I believe that all of us have a place in our heart to want to help people and be that, be that person to, you know, get people to a, a better place because you know we were we were once there we possibly still are there just that kind of therapeutic uh access for people so i like that yeah i i agree i think my natural tendency is not to get not to want to be boxed into a certain label but from a practical perspective of of it's kind of like anything. If you don't make a commitment to something, you're never going to see the res- the benefit of that commitment. So if if you're always like, yeah, I'm free and I'm living in a different country every year, and that's kind of what I got to with uh, with teaching. And I, I didn't live in that many different countries, but you know, I traveled around and so forth. But I think what I wanted was I wanted to find, I, I wanted to invest in something that I could see the benefit of long term investment in something in a place, in friendships, in, you know, whatever. And I think it's like that with this, where if, if I don't commit to something or if, if we don't commit to something, there's a benefit to that. There's a benefit of being able to talk about whatever we want to talk about and sort of have wide ranging things and, and, and so forth. And there's a, there's a lot of benefits to that, but the benefit of picking a topic and then going super deep on that one topic can seem limiting in the sense of now I can only talk about acne or whatever it is. But at the same time, by going deep, you, I think we'll learn things that we wouldn't have even gotten close to learning and experiencing otherwise. And then in fact, when we get to those, those detailed things, we can extrapolate them back out to some of the other topics that we talk about or whatever. But all that to say, I'm probably afraid of committing to something, but I think when I step back and try to observe it from an outside perspective, I think it's, it is the, the, the better choice. And we can always pull back and not go down a road. Like if we start down a road and be like, Hey, we don't want to go down this road anymore. We can always turn around and come back, but saying, yeah, let's, let's commit to going down this road. That's more specific. I think can be helpful. Hey guys, David here. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen in. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you have a question or comment for us, give us a call at 502-632-3179. That's 502-632-3179. See you next week.